0: There's no place like home, and we've been looking at God's word as it pertains to marriage so far. And this morning, we begin to look at God's word as it pertains to parenting, and more specifically, to fathering. Now, if you're here as a wife and a mother, please don't check out. Uh, Please take these principles that are given to husbands and fathers and make them a prayer journal for you to pray for your husband and the father of your children. I must admit, it makes me scratch my head when I hear a Christian parent say something like this. Too bad kids don't come with instructions. Parents do have divine instructions on parenting, sufficient divine instructions on fathering, as we'll see this morning. We're going to see, what does the Bible say that God expects of every father? We won't cover everything that God expects of fathers this morning, but in two weeks' time, if God spares life, we will pick it up to get the second part of what God expects for fathers. Father's. Next week, in the will of the Lord, Pastor Nicholas will be preaching in the 8 and 11 a.m. services on the threats of social media and internet for families. You won't want to miss that. I will be ministering God's word at the men's retreat at Seabreeze's Resort. So what does God expect of dads? Well, let me just say to preface what we're going to see, that fathers set the tone in their homes. Fathers set the love tone, the acceptance tone, the security tone. Fathers set the discipline tone, the relaxation tone, the entertainment tone. Fathers set the respect tone, and fathers set the diligence tone in their families. Fathers set the spiritual tone in their homes. By the way, when... Christian fathers set a poor spiritual tone when fathers' evidence in their families that the Bible is of low priority to them, often their children, especially their sons, walk away from Christ and walk away from the church the first chance that they get to do so. Sons who have seen a father set a low or an absent tone spiritually in their home, tend to think that the church is feminine, not a place for men. Put another way, the sins which the fathers approve in moderation, the children will approve in excess. If you doubt that, check the history of Israel in the Old Testament to see if what I'm saying is true or false. There is a study that has been done, a shocking study, that has discovered that 70% of evangelical Christians who go to university walk away from the faith. Dads, it does not hold water for any of us to say to our kids, do as I say, not as I do. When it comes to the spiritual tone of a home, God wills it that the husband and the father be a high priest to the wife and to the children. And as the high priest in a home, a father is to lead the family to the Bible each day and to the church each week. He is to ensure that there is family prayer, he is to bring the Bible to bear on the situations which family faces. He's to love his wife, the children's mother, as he loves himself. And guess how we love ourselves well? We love ourselves very well. We must love our wives' men well. The father is to make his family's participation in local church worship and ministry a top priority by leading the way in both attending worship and serving Christ in the church. Dads, we are to be spiritual leaders in our homes. For some of us, that statement is going to be uncomfortable. To some of us, that statement is going to be convicting. That's good. Because if I have a broken arm, I'm grateful for pain. To tell me that something is wrong with my arm and I should go to the doctor. Maybe today, Dad, as you listen to God's expectations for you as a dad, you'll feel pain. That's good if the pain brings about reflection, confession, and repentance. The thing is that God changes fathers who will listen to his convicting voice. I think of the man in one of the churches I pastored in the past. He was definitely a born-again Christian. God had given him a large family. But because of selfishness and sin, he terrorized his children with inconsistent expectations and harsh punishments. He badly neglected his wife and what she needed to be a wife and a mother. He tried to drown his sorrows and his guilt before God by drinking booze. And he was oh so quick to find fault with every single church. He wouldn't let any man close to him at all. Not me as his pastor, not any of our elders. No Christian man was allowed an arm's length of this man. He was proud. And he was self-righteous. But God moved in and relentlessly, in the stillness of his heart and mind, convicted him that he was off the rails, that he was sinning against his wife and against his children, and God wooed him back to Christ and to Christ's church and to his family, and they're doing well. They forgave their dad and husband, and they're doing well. And so maybe as you hear this message today, Dad, you're going to feel like you've got a broken arm. I'm here to tell you this morning that God is in the business of mending broken arms. In the time we have this morning, I want to consider with you three truths which God has for fathers in his word, the Bible. And the first truth that we have in the word of god is that fathers are to love god the most and to teach that love for god to their kids fathers are to love god the most and then to teach that kind of love to their kids in deuteronomy 6 verses 4 through 7 deutero second namas law deuteronomy is the book that israel got the law of God a second time, in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 7, fathers in Israel were commanded something important. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit down in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Fathers are to love God the most and to teach that kind of love to our kids. You do know that one can only pass on what one has. I may want for our two children to speak German, but I can't pass the ability to speak German onto either one of them because I don't speak German. Similarly, you and I can't teach our kids to love God the most if we don't love God the most ourselves. You know, sometimes a godly father's love most for the Lord is noticed when he doesn't even realize that it's noticed in his home. Dr. Ron Gannett, a denominational leader in the denomination within which I pastored in Canada for 20 years, had a wonderful father named Dr. Alden Gannett. And Ron told us that he would sometimes walk By the door into his mother and father's bedroom when it was ajar, and he would look, and there would be his daddy on his knees beside his bed, praying audibly for his wife and for his boys. Sometimes, loving God most as a father, we are unaware that anybody in the home is seeing our piety. A very practical way for a father to demonstrate that he properly loves God with his most is to properly love his wife. Over time, their daddy's sacrificial love for the kid's mommy cannot help but be seen by the children. And so, Dad, love God the most, love his presence as as demonstrated by prayer, love is presence. As demonstrated by prayer, love is word by giving your heart and your attention to the Bible. Love is program by loving the church and doing Christian service within the church. And love God most for His gifts, namely your wife and your children. I would venture to say that most of the fathers in the sound of my voice would gladly die for their wife. If an intruder came in the house with a gun, we would take a bullet for our wife. If an intruder came into our house with a gun, we would take a bullet for our children. We would die for our wife and for our children. So men, let us therefore live for them. Let us, therefore, live for them by putting God's love in the highest place in our hearts. And so the first point, God deserves the most, the love of a father, and the father who loves God the most is to teach that love. Sometimes it's simply modeling that love for God to their kids. The second point this morning Fathers are to call their kids up to God's standard. Fathers are to call their children up to God's standard. Dads, you do know that if you don't call your kids up to God's standard, then Satan, the flesh, and the worldview without God will pull your kids down to their standard. What isn't going up is going down. Do nothing as a father, and your kids will go down spiritually. Maybe we could look at it this way. Water never runs uphill except it's pumped. Dads are to be the pump that pump their children as water uphill against society. If we go to the New Testament book of First Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, to be specific, I'll jump in at verse 11. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you, into his own kingdom and glory. The context here of these two verses in 1 Thessalonians 2 was that the Apostle Paul was comparing himself to a good human father. He happened to be the Thessalonians' spiritual father. But Paul pointed out to the first readers that he spiritually fathered them like any good father leads his children. Before I reread the verses in 1 Thess 2, please remember that we are seeing the point that fathers are to call up their children to God's standard. Let's see the 2 verses again. Just as you know, how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Did you catch it? Good fathers are not passive. Good fathers are not silent. Good fathers exhort their kids, encourage their kids, implore their kids, and target their kids toward godly living that is worthy of the name Christian. In Psalm 127, the psalm that says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Please notice that the Lord builds the house, but the Father has a role in building the house. Unless the Lord builds the house, they, I guess the fathers and the mothers, labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. It's vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Now watch this. God's viewpoint on your children. Behold, Children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them! They shall not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies at the gate. God likens children to arrows. The thing about arrows is that they do not propel themselves. They do not launch themselves at targets. It takes an archer to pull the bowstring back with great force and then to let it go and the archer aims the arrows at a target. Dad's what? Target are you aiming your children toward? A good job is that enough? To be a law-abiding citizen, is that enough? To be a good provider for a wife and children in the future, is that enough? The best target that we can launch the arrows who are our children to hit is salvation and Christ-likeness being born again and being a follower of Jesus. Because if a person is a born-again believer who follows Jesus and the word of God, they're gonna be a good citizen. And they're going to provide for their wife and their children. And so... Fathers are to call their kids up to God's standard, and they're to do it by exhorting their kids, encouraging their kids, imploring their kids, targeting their kids like arrows. And apparently, a father's call up to God's standard is to be a direct call-up, an urgent call-up, a clear call-up, not an indirect call-up, not a lackadaisical call-up, nor a fuzzy I'm-not-certain call-up. Every child in this assembly, should know that his or her daddy is calling them up to God's standard. There's a little more here. A father's call up to God's standard for his children is to be continuous and repeated. Fathers, this is not something that one day in October 2017, you can say, "Yeah, Pastor Robs, preach the word of God accurately. It's time for me to call my kids up to God's standard. You sit them down one Sunday in October. It's not that you can just say, "I call you up to God's standard. Now have a good life. God's call up to his standard through his father's is to be a continuous call-up. It's to be a repeated call-up. There are some learning specialists that tell us that audible learners, people who learn best through hearing, need to hear the truth seven times to learn a truth. Do you know what I think when it comes to calling up children to God's standard? They don't need to hear that seven times from their dad. They need to hear that 70 times seven times. Remember, water is only going to flow uphill if it's pumped, and you're the pump, Dad. And so the first point we've seen already, fathers are to love God the most and to teach that love for God to their kids. The second point we saw, fathers are to call their kids up to God's standard. And the third thing we're going to see this morning is that fathers are to chasten their kids who need firm correction. Fathers are to chasten their kids who need firm correction. To see this, I invite your attention to Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 5. I'm going to make comments as I read through the passage. Hebrews 12, verse 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him, for those Whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. The first thing to notice from verse 5 is that we need to understand what discipline means. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. What is that discipline? That discipline means training, it means cultivating. And then scourging is mentioned in verse 5. Nor faint when you are reproved by him, verse 6, for those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. So the perfect father, the heavenly father, the point of the passage is he chastens his own children, spiritual children. And part of that chastening that God the Father uses to train us, involves scourging. This tells us that this training and this cultivating is punitive at times. It's a spanking at times. A good word for such loving, corrective punishment is chastening. And what this fatherly discipline, what this chastening is not, is discussion or negotiation with your child. Doesn't it drive you crazy when you hear a father say, do you need a spanking, Billy? What's the kid going to say? No. Or when the dad says, daddy thinks you do need a spanking, but I don't want to do it, Billy. Billy Please don't make me spank. Wow. Who's leading who? Verses 6 and 7. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? That's a very qu- good question, you know. What son is there whom his father does not discipline? The sad truth in the 21st century, plenty of sons that fathers don't discipline. Plenty. Plenty of children are not loved sufficiently by their fathers to be corrected with the spanking when it is in order. I'm just wondering, you know the answer to this, I'm not sure I do, but I'm just wondering, if to a large degree, not for 100%, but if to a majority extent, can Hosea 8, verse 7, be written all over this country's parenting? For they sow the wind, and they reap the whirlwind, Verse 8, but if you are without discipline of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Wow. To be honest with you, I see a lot of undisciplined children around me all the time. I would like to spank and correct their attitudes and their behaviors, but I wouldn't dare, of course. Because they're not my kids. I'm not their daddy. Their daddies are their daddies. <laughs> we, we all know that we should only spank our own children, not others people's children. Now, what you notice in verse 8, that, that it makes an assumption, and the assumption is that fathers chasten their children who need chastening. But if you are without discipline, implication being it's expected that you will be disciplined. So the verse makes the assumption that fathers chasten their children who need chastening, and that was an assumption when the book of Hebrews was written in the first century, and it's still God's assumption that Christian fathers will chasten their children who need chastening. And verse 8 makes a second assumption And the second assumption is sobering. It makes us raise our eyebrows. And the second assumption of verse 8 is that not to chasten your child when the child needs chastening is to treat the child like he's illegitimate, like he's not your child. That's strong. That's strong. Verses 9 to 11. Furthermore, We had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father, capital F, of spirits and live? For they, human fathers, they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he, the heavenly Father, disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful, yet to those who have been Trained by it, afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Uh, in some circles, talking about chastening children is like being the skunk at the garden party. But it happens to be in the Bible. I want to give with you five important realities in the verses I have just read Five important realities which will greatly help us dads to chasten our kids in a proper manner and for a proper purpose. Reality one from these verses a child properly chastened will respect his or her father. A child properly chastened will respect his or her father. The corollary of that is a, pro- a child not properly chastened will disrespect. His father or her father let me ask you in high school which teacher did you most respect the most strict one right and from which high school teacher did you learn the most again from that most strict teacher I would think reality too when it comes to chastening chastening is to be for a short and not a long time Chastening is to be for a short and not for a long time. When we help our children to learn lessons, we do so so they don't have to be chastened again and again and again for the same bad behavior. Some children are strong-willed. They might need to be rechastened and rechastened and rechastened. The typical child doesn't need a diet of being chastened because when you chasten them once, they get the point. And They comply. This point that chastening is to be for a short and not for a long time, another way of saying this is that chastening is to be a punctuation within the story of your family, not the story itself. Reality three, dads can only chasten their kids as seems best to them, and that's why we need the Bible, not our own ideas. And so wise is the father who reads Scripture first before he chastens, who who insists that he himself be filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit before he would ever chasten, lest he chasten in anger which would be wrong. And so wise is the father who prays much before the chastening, during the chastening, and after the chastening. And wise is the father who If time permits and if the need warrants, runs some chastening scenarios by another godly father, who perhaps is more experienced at being a Christian father and more mature in Christ. And wise is the father who, before the time necessary for chastening, reads the word of God meditates on the word of god memorizes the word of god reads bible based parenting articles on the internet reads bible based parenting books on their kindles listens to podcasts about being a dad listens to good preaching on being a father ahead of needing to chasten the child. And wise is the father who never chastens a child in anger or without the control of the Holy Spirit, because that kind of chastening can be abuse. And last, wise is the father who communicates his love to his child before chastening that child and then especially after chastening that fire child conveys love. I can well remember as a boy growing up many times that my dad spanked me with tears rolling down his cheeks and with tears rolling down my cheeks. And after he was finished chastening me, that we sat on the edge of the bed, and we cried together. Realities about chastening, we've seen a child properly chastened will respect his or her father. Chastening is to be for a short and not a long time. Dads only can chasten their kids as seemed best for them to do so. It's a given that in every case of chastening, in the short run, it seems unjoyful and sorrowful both to you, Dad, and to your child. The short run. Some of you have had heart surgery. You didn't have heart surgery because you thought, I'll go ahead and have it. You had heart surgery because the doctor told you, you have significant blockages in your arteries. And if you don't have heart surgery, you're going to stroke or you're going to have a heart attack and you're going to die. And so in the short run, you take the pain. They put you under, and they take a saw, and they cut your ribs open. And while you're under anesthetic, the surgeon at some point takes your beating heart out of you, holds it in his hand to do the work that needs to be done to place the heart back into where it belongs, and then you have plenty soreness and plenty pain for weeks, but your heart is fixed. Chastening, for both dads and the children who are chastened, seems in the short run unjoyful and sorrowful, and it is. But just like the heart surgery gives you a new lease on life, chastening your child will give him or her a new lease on obedience and submission. Now, In closing, if I ask for a raise of hands for all the men who are fathers here this morning, and I ask you now, listen, how many of you would like peace in your homes? And if I asked, how many of you would like righteousness in your homes? How many of you would like holiness in your homes? all of our hands would go up. Verse 10, For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but, the discipline, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful, yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit Of righteousness. There's one way to holiness and peaceful fruit in righteousness in your home with children still under your roof is that, Dad, you are willing to be obedient and chasten your children. That's what God says. Let us pray. Lord, your Holy Word is clear, and your Holy Word is provocative, and your Holy Word is challenging. And so how grateful we are as fathers this morning who know and love Christ that we are not in this fathering ministry alone, but that you have given us the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom, to give us obedience, and to give us strength and love. Lord, we pray that our wives would be the beneficiaries of our obedience to this sermon today. Additionally, we pray that our children would be beneficiaries of our giving credence to this sermon today. Father, thank you for being that perfect Heavenly Father. Thank you for your tenderness. Thank you for your love, thank you for your provision, but also thank you for your chastening of us when we need a spanking. Father, thank you that the Spirit of God ministered the Word of God today, and we saw that fathers are to love God the most and then teach that love for God to their children. Thank you that we've learned today that fathers are to call their kids up to God's standard. And thank you, Father, that we have learned in the text today that fathers are to chasten their kids who need firm correction. Now it's time to live it. We know you'll give us grace to live it and how grateful we are for that. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.